maybe you received a uh, Moving Ahead Financial Partnership uh, program. If you didn't, then you can pick one up, a, bro- a, a booklet and such. Um, so we're going to do just a little bit of a PowerPoint on this just to, uh, to kind of see where we've been, what's gone on. And, and really the effort is just this, uh, first of all, just to thank God, sincerely thank God for his ample supply. And, but then as, as uh, Brother Copes emphasized that, you know, God's, God's not called us to just survive, but to thrive and that's not just, um, that's, not, that's not for our sakes alone, but really the church needs to be thriving for the sake of his name and the lost that need to be rich, reached rather and, and, uh, and lives change. So may God help us to continue to have that focus on moving ahead. And so we're going to look at a, a little bit at that. Now the, the brochure does a little bit to walk you through some of the, um, the history and I've got some pictures here and just a little, basically the PowerPoint is just a little bit of an elaboration on that. And, uh, and so we'll talk through it and it has some of the facts and figures in it. And so we'll just get into it. But it also has a list of the projects done from 2011. So from 2004, the inception of the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan, really the focus was just on the building, getting it done and beginning the payments. And there are other things that were accomplished during that time, but, but just, uh, just moving forward, the things that were accomplished, and then we'll look at what is still to be. So the year was 2004. It was uh, September of 2004. Many of you were at this banquet at what was uh, known then as the Coca-Cola Event Center. How many of you were there? Let me just get a hand. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Wasn't that a great time? Loved it. And uh, a great time of fellowship, great banquet. I, one of my favorite memories, Brother Ted, uh, myself, and Russ Bishop wore tuxedos. Come on now. Now, Brother Ted's wore a bow tie ever since. But anyways, it's, uh, I don't, was that the start of it right there? No, it was before that one. Okay, so... Uh, but this was a great time just to uh, get together, fellowship, and look at what God could do. And then uh, there was the signing of the charter, the moving ahead financial partnership plan, the commitment um, above your tithes. By the way, all God's people ought to be tithing. I mean, that, that is the minimal amount um, and just a good place to start giving. Uh, but then you factor in and we, you know, I, I know it was on Brother Sam's heart and it came across that way that we don't want the moving ahead financial partnership plan in any wise to take away from faith promise missions. And by God's good grace, it hasn't. That's been tremendous. And so this is an extra effort even on top of that. So I, I know that it, it represents sacrificial giving on, on, uh, on our church's part, your part and in, in giving to that. And uh, so over the 20 years, so next, this upcoming September is 20 years. So from 2004 to 2024, 20 years uh, to date in the, in the brochure there, it mentions that $4.1 million has been given through the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan. The three-phase building program, the nurseries, the offices, uh, the first phase, and, uh, and then the second phase, the Sunday school space, the third phase, Sunday school space. All together, 100,000 square feet, Sunday school space of 77,000 square feet. We came in 2003, and uh, the college and career department, Heartland uh, Singles, Pathfinders, Crossbearers, we were all meeting in the basement uh, in what is now the first and second grade assembly. So about 300 and... 50 people crammed in there. And uh, Brother Larry Booth doing the very best he could to keep everything cool. It's awesome. And uh, um, 
Just a lot of good memories. <laughs> but obviously we were out of space, not just in that department, but in many departments. Um, I'm sure you'll say amen to this, but we're, we've really enjoyed all of the adult classes and youth and children's ministries have enjoyed that Sunday school space that God has enabled us to have. It's just tremendous. So the financial partnership plan helped uh, to accomplish that. Uh, we had, uh, you know, just a, a meal together and uh, getting things ready to go for that. And here was the plan, what it was going to look like. And so this is the auditorium uh, that I believe was built in 1960s, uh, 1964, somewhere right in there, maybe completed. Some of you were married. How many were married in this building? Oh, somewhere right here, right here. So that's a blessing. So this building was, uh, was replaced and then the structure that we know now is in place and thank God for the way that it's been used. On the south side, this was the rendering. So this was, this is what was presented in 2004 um, and then it began to become reality. Uh, some of you men will remember when we prayed in the, uh, in the heart, what is now the Heartland Singles Classroom and it was just metal studs and and, um, and uh, I think there was kind of a storm going through. It wasn't the smartest thing to do, probably to be in there praying, but uh, we prayed that God might use that property. And, and uh, <laughs> thank you. My soul, has he done that? So the ribbon cutting uh, in 2005, his brother Sam is leading the way there and giving some context to it. And, and you know, the uh, thing about even this picture, some of those men are in heaven and ladies, and so may God help us never to forget the faithful men and women like an Eldon Langston and different ones that are in this picture here that, that um, have Brother Harmon, I see Brother Harmon there and different ones like that, that, um, that just were faithful, but enabled us to do that. So then the renovation of the auditorium. Uh, we actually would be debt-free already by this time had we not renovated the auditorium, but I'm thankful to God that God enabled us to go ahead and renovate the auditorium. And so we were down to about uh, 3.1 uh, million that we owed on the mortgage. And we decided to go ahead and cash flow some of the renovation and uh, to begin to renovate the auditorium as we are enjoying it now. And then uh, we financed about 1.7 of that. I believe it was somewhere right in there. So when you add the total mortgage together, that's about $7 million for uh, the renovation of this auditorium and the three-phase building program. So that's, that is where the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan has enabled us. In fact, if you saw in the brochure, 50% of the mortgage came from the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan. So it has been a tremendous um, help in that endeavor. Bring back a few more memories here. <laughs> this is, this, we were live streaming before live streaming was cool. So this was... Uh, Pretty neat as uh, people were, we were in the gym and then we were live streaming into the real people's class. Little did we realize how that would prepare us for being, not having services and all those things, you know, with, uh, yeah, 2020, I'm not going to go to that memory, but. <laughs> <laughs> so this was quite a time, some good memories there. And, but thanks be to God for the help to renovate so that now what we enjoy here as this current auditorium. It's a tremendous blessing. It finished in 2017. We're about a year and a half in the gym and in those three locations. And then Sunday nights for the Ted 
preached to the students up at the, uh, up at the campus. He likes to refer to himself as a, ca- a campus pastor, but that, didn't, that wasn't official. And uh, so anyways, we had a, a good time with that. Brother Seth preaching and, and Brother Greg preaching, kind of rotating people around. Uh, it's, a, it's a great memory. Yeah, I'm just glad it's a memory. Amen. <laughs> glad it's a memory. So that's a big part of the moving ahead. But then at the same time, you know, there's a lot of other areas that needed attention. So this would be the third floor fellowship hall so that we could have a nice place for Sunday school classroom, but also for get togethers and fellowship. And that's been a tremendous blessing. The North Park, the North parking lot. That was the first big project, about a five, uh, $500,000, $550,000 project, I believe it was. And so we thank God for enabling us to do that. And then uh, the sign uh, coming in was a big deal, being able to have that. The purchase of Mission Houses. Uh, this is the Barnabas house. And so uh, the interns stay there in the summer, missionaries stay there at different times. And there's two other houses that are owned by the church right here. And, and, uh, and so in, an in, an house where the interns stay. And then we have one that missionaries kind of rotate in and out of. And that's a great service to our sent missionaries and other missionaries that come in. So that's, that's a tremendous blessing. There's still one house in between the two that we're just being patient and waiting uh, for it to come available. And we'd like to move on that and be ready uh, uh, whenever that time comes. You know? So we want to be able to cash flow that. So that's one reason that we're setting aside funds. I'm just trying to give the big picture here tonight uh, that the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan has enabled us to stay in a place where we could. Okay, now there's a story on this, on this house um, the, the lady that, uh, that lived here wasn't real happy, uh, with, um, brother Sam and, but he <laughs> just cause of moving some houses off and parking lots and things. But he told me, he said, brother Jason, one of the first things I'd encourage you to do is go meet this lady and be nice to her and she'll be nice to you. And he was exactly right. And I did mention brother Sam one time is like her countenance changed. And so <laughs> quickly changed subjects and, uh, moved on to something else. But but I, I mentioned that, I mentioned that because obviously he was only kind to her, but she just didn't prefer all that was going on around her house at the time. But God answers prayer. And uh, we had a couple meetings with the lady just to get acquainted with her and such. And, and she told her son before she passed away, she said, I want you to sell the property because she had told Brother Sam, I'll never sell the house to this church. That's what she said. But before she passed away, she told, brother, she told her son, I want you to sell the property to the church if they want it, and I want you to give it to them at the lowest price. And God worked in that. And so that, that property here to the south is a very important property for us to have. And I thank God, thank God for it. There's so many stories. I, I better not take the time to go into all of it. But then we began the process of renovating the basement and also out in the gym, uh, all the classrooms, and a lot of that was done by hand, um, you know, work days. And, and, um, and so I thank God for Brother Ted and Brother Seth as they laid a lot of carpet tile. There is a carpet tile award in heaven that they will be a recipient of, no doubt. But anyways, just a lot of work in that out in, the, out in those locations. But, you know, we want, we want kids to be able to come and have a good environment where they can learn. And where they say, you know, this place must be important because of the way that it's taken care of. And so just trying to be a good steward and touching every square foot of the property. Obviously, you know, heating and air is a big deal here in Oklahoma. You know, I mean, the uh, air conditioning side of it alone. And so we've replaced 
AC units and all that's been made possible because of the moving ahead. The renovation of the gym is featured here, you know, and, and then also the live stream equipment. I've got a letter that I want to read here in just a moment uh, before we get into the, the introduction of the theme. But uh, the, what the live stream has done in, uh, in stepping up, and I appreciate Brother Jonathan and, and Brother Caesar and so many others that are in the media room even right now. And uh, while we're enjoying the services here, they're taking care of things there to make sure that it's a meaningful service for those who maybe cannot come or are missionaries to see the Switzers here tonight. They watch faithfully. <laughs> Man, it's a blessing. And so the renovation of the media room is top notch. And uh, I thank God that God, uh, there's a lot of young people that grew up here at Southwest that now work here at Southwest. And so that's a tremendous blessing. And and I uh, thank God for how he's used Brother Jonathan. Brother Jonathan came in the office one time and said, I'll just tell you my dream job. I'd like to help Southwest step up in technology. And boy, did we need it. And, and my, how God has used him uh, to do that for sure. The missions attic uh, right here in this corner and uh, just being a blessing to missionaries, the renovation of the office, um, just striping. I'm sorry, resealing and striping the parking lot alone is a big task that we endeavor to do every other year. And uh, when we do that on, on the big years, then it's about a $70,000 to $80,000 expenditure. So you can see how that, so that uh, there's a lot of big expenses, you know, and taking care of things, the purchase of a road bus. And uh, does this bring back memories, young people, Brother Seth? Yeah. Amen. All right. So, uh, and uh, then the landscaping. And updating that, and many of you got your hands involved in that, and then just uh, taking a big step to, to make sure that all that property is taken care of. I appreciate Brother Kevin Culver and the great attention to detail that he gives, not, not only to our buses, but also to the landscaping, the property. The first thing people see when they come on the, on the site, and uh, it, it really says a lot. So I thank God for that. Updating the first floor hallway and and uh, appreciate Brother Darren and all the cleaning crew and all they do to keep things in tip-top shape. And uh, the tile makes it a lot easier for them. That's a high traffic area, so really pleased with how that turned out. And then even the LED lighting. And then uh, doors, you know, uh, doors are expensive. Mercy, I had no idea. But, uh, but out in the gym to replace those doors and then the sliding doors. Uh, here on the southwest side and the north uh, nursery and the northwest side. And all of that, all of that is a part of the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan. Okay, so not only attacking the mortgage with great fervency, but also moving ahead in all these other areas. All right, so the next big project would be renovation of the gym kitchen. Uh, it's in many ways past due, but it's... Uh, uh, it's going to be a, you know, a significant amount, uh, actually even just appliances alone. We just purchased those on Friday of this week, 32, is that right, Brother Mark? $32,000 for uh, ovens and, and all the other equipment that's going in there. And it's going to be a big renovation. I, th I think it's going to be very nice, probably going to be around seventy dollars to $80,000 is what it's going to cost to do that. And just helping us to step up there in the gym, we're making good use of that. Thankful to God for that. It's frequently used every Saturday and, and often other times as well. Another very large project that is coming up that we'll probably do in phases would be uh, the renovation of the, the classrooms, the adult classrooms and all three floors. We'll start on the first and move our way up. 
but 77,000 square feet to change out chairs and carpet. And uh, there's a lot of coffee st stains, but we're, we're not taking coffee out. Somebody say amen right there, right? That would split this church if we tried to do that. But, uh, but we'll make some renovations there and, and just uh, get everything up to speed. But, and so that's going to be obviously a great amount uh, to uh, even just to do floors and paint and chairs. And, and so we'll be uh, planning on that. But, but here's, here's the goal. If you notice in the brochure, by the end of this year, the mortgage will be at $285,000 which means that come July, actually, the mortgage will be paid off by God's good grace. So then this, uh, this is, as we're making just kind of a final push, the final year of the Moving Ahead Financial Partnership Plan. And I think it's quite significant that from September of 2004 to September, we're gonna have a note burning ceremony. Brother uh, Davidson's got it on his calendar to be here. I think it'd be significant to have him here because he was the, the heart and soul of it and sought God about it. And God really gave this, uh, his vision. And, and um, so get to celebrate <laughs> uh, being debt free, uh, September of 2024. And, um, and so we'll, that'll be, this is the final year of the financial, I'm sorry, the moving ahead financial partnership plan. And so that, that's a tremendous blessing. And obviously that doesn't mean that we don't have goals that we're going to continue to reach, but, but being debt free, I think you can see where we can begin to set funds aside and, and, uh, some plans that are in the works, you know, as to what the next steps are and, and, uh, just to be very aggressive, even, even doing more in the world missions area and starting churches and just, just a lot of exciting things ahead in that, in that regard. Um, but, you know, I really began to pray about it. I, you know, um, the toll may not go away, but the moving ahead financial partnership plan can uh, and, get, and be complete because simply because it's completed its mission. And so then we can we can take the next steps in uh, seeing God provide for whatever his plan is for the future. So that's the financial moving ahead partnership plan presentation. I hope that's a big help to you. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, remain seated. And let me ask you to turn to Matthew 28, Matthew 28, and we'll get to the introduction of the theme here in just, in just one moment. Um, <clears throat> I'd like, to, I'd like to take just a moment because it does fit the moving ahead just to read a brief, brief um, couple letters that came in the mail and I've, I maybe alluded to one of these, but I think it'd be a blessing to you to hear even from some outside of our church family. This came in September. Dear Southwest Baptist Church, just wanted to thank you for live streaming services. My brother stumbled across your services uh, about a year and a half ago. He's been watching and listening every week since. Your style of services remind me when I was growing up and singing the hymns in church and listening to good old-fashioned Bible-adhering preaching. I love those services. I have a different church home today, but attendance is not what it used to be. Um, the individual goes on to say, it was so nice to see a populated church growing, loving and serving the Lord such as yours. The music ministry blesses my heart so much. The congregational singing led by Brother Aaron is such an inspiration. My heart just rejoices to hear it. 
And the special music is such a blessing. There are such beautiful songs and a wealth of talent in your church, all centered around uh, Kevin's superb piano playing. <laughs> we sometimes tape this, the special music for our own usage and edification. It's hard to find music such as this. We're also blessed by the messages and the usage of the King James Bible, whether by Pastor Gaddis or special speakers or Ted Inman for Sunday school. In these last days, your church is a shining light. May it shine brighter and brighter until the Lord returns to receive his own. Thank you again for delivering your bright light into our lives here in Pennsylvania. We feel like, uh, we, feel like a, a, we have a bond that miles cannot separate. And then they sign their name. So a brother and sister watching somewhere in Pennsylvania. It's pretty amazing. Then I got this letter from a gentleman right here in Oklahoma City. And this is also from September. He says, Dear Pastor Gaddis, on Tuesday afternoon, September the 19th, the doorbell rang at my house. Standing there were two young ladies with beautiful smiles welcoming, welcoming me to visit a worship service at your church. Moments before they arrived, two young men rang the rang the bell of my back door and spoke to my wife. So <laughs> who's going to the back door, right? <laughs> That's awesome. We've got them surrounded, right? <laughs> I love it. It's so good. <laughs> their, uh, their concern for people like me gave me faith. I, I wanted you to hear this. It gave me faith that at a time in America when everything seems to be falling apart at the seams, there's still a church that believes in door-to-door -door evangelism and young people devoted to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to their neighbors in a broken world. Um, she, he says, I'm sorry, I don't remember the, lady, the two ladies' names who visited. I share their faith and desire to win souls to Christ. When I asked what, what they're going to do with their lives, uh, one said um, <laughs> that she would... Um, go to college and she was going to college in preparation to be a missionary. I asked if I could pray for them and their ministry. And the three of us prayed right there on the doorstep. They truly were a gift from God. And then he goes on in the 1950s, my mother knocked on a door inviting people to her church. The lady who answered became a Christian and a lifetime friend of my mother until she went to heaven 40 years later. I send my thanks to you and your team of evangelists who are bringing the gospel to our homes and letting us know God loves us and so do they. Isn't that a blessing? And so I wrote both these individuals back and just thanked them for the encouragement, but I didn't want to enjoy that all by myself. I wanted you to enjoy it as well. All right, let's stand and read Matthew 28 and verse 19 and 20. And I'd like to introduce the theme to you for this upcoming year. And then we'll welcome our new members here at the close of the service. <clears throat> Looking forward uh, to that as well in the time of fellowship we'll have. <clears throat> our risen Savior gives this command. That makes it important. That alone makes it important. When he said, and he says still today, go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And all God's people said, Amen. 
Amen. Amen. God, I pray you bless this brief time we have in the Word to introduce the theme. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Came up in class this past week is the Great Commission filled if we just lead somebody to Christ. Well, we all were in consensus there in the class, and I believe we are here in this church because, by the way, the Great Commission was not given to a Bible college. The Great Commission was given to the church, to local churches. And the Great Commission is not fulfilled when we see somebody saved. The Great Commission is fulfilled when we see them baptized and we teach them all things that Jesus gave us, which that sounds like a lifetime process. And so it is not a 12-week study through the Word of God. How important is uh, passing on to the next generation? As Jesus said, teaching them. And that's what I want to draw your attention uh, to tonight. And I'll, I'll show you the artwork that Brother Phil has done for us uh, here this year. Sure do appreciate that. But uh, the, the phrase there that really began to catch my attention in many different passages and, and that I want to try to share with you tonight is just simply this, teaching them, teaching them teaching them, passing on to that, that uh, next generation, teaching them, not just young people, but all people, people that come to faith in Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. As I've already mentioned, what makes this so important is the fact that our Savior gave, us, gave it to us. That alone makes it important. But he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh, how much did he teach us? What did he teach us? You know, Jesus taught a lot of doctrine, didn't he? He taught about the end times. He taught about, uh, about the doctrine of salvation. He taught about the church. He taught a lot of things about doctrine. But it wasn't just doctrine that he taught us. He was teaching us and he taught us how to live. How to live. The Sermon on the Mount, you think about that. I mean, so much of it is, is just simply about the Christian life and how to live and what it looks like and, and uh, teaching them in that way. I uh, always like to share with you a little bit of the background as to what goes into the theme. Uh, and, and some of it came early in the year. As I'm reading uh, Ken Ham's book, Will They Stand? Parents um, parenting kids to face the giants. And he has this on the cover, the importance of raising strong believers who can stand in the face of a world that will challenge, disparage, and seek to eliminate their faith. It also strives, this book is it's just what the cover is saying, to equip the next generation to thrive in the face of cultural adversity and emerge as tomorrow's Christian leaders. Previously, I'd read a book called Already Gone, also by Ken Ham, actually. And, and uh, the premise of Already Gone is, is he's looking into why do so many young people leave church after they get into their early 20s or maybe after they finish high school. You know, I thought about it. Uh, we've got a big task there to help the young people that are in the youth group, not, not just those that are sitting here, but all those that come to stay. But a lot of young people uh, leave and they're maybe 18, 19, 20 year old, but they're already gone when they're in the seventh and eighth grade. 
They're already gone. And that's why young people are so important that every service, you don't talk to one another, but that you pay good attention right here. Because this is the most important thing that's going on to help equip you for life. To teach them. Our theme at Heartland this year is settled. Settled. Um, as I talked to Brother Jason Jett as he was coming to preach the youth conference, I said, Brother Jed, I, I'd like to ask you to preach on Wednesday night at the church. And, and you know, we'll have the youth conference going on there at the, at the campus. And he says, I already know what I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach, help them settle. And he preached out of, uh, Jud, uh, out of Joshua and, and, uh, and the need to help the next generation to settle in the land. Man, it was so good. Teach them, help them to be settled, to train the next generation. Um, we're in the midst of doing that right now as as we've got uh, young men in the home and, and um, you know, uh, Trevor's got his first vehicle, which was my old truck that I love very dearly that used to be my dad's truck that means so much to her, our whole family. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. But, you know, to turn those keys over and we shook hands as we transferred the title. That's a lot of responsibility coming to a young man, isn't it? I know when I, when I bought it, you know, for my... My mom, as my dad had went to heaven and I, I bought it and dad said, hey, I want you to buy, I want you to have that truck. And I said, no, dad, you need to keep driving that truck, you know. And anyways, it was uh, special. But, but, you know, hey, listen, um, in the Christian faith, you're being given something that's of such greater value than any vehicle or home. It's the faith once delivered to the saints. And so there's a need to teach and train. And I, I don't want to give the wrong idea. I'm, I'm moving into what uh, we're talking about because it's not just young people that need this, but isn't it, isn't it clear that young people do need this uh, to be taught and to be trained and to be equipped? And I appreciate those that invest. You know, all the teachers uh, that are here in the church that invest in the young, young people, uh, you're making a huge difference. Huge difference. I appreciate those that have a heart for others. Uh, uh, I don't want to embarrass him tonight, but Brother, Brother Jude uh, really has a heart to help young people learn how to work. And he allowed our youngest son to get to work in, in, uh, in the renovation and, and uh, install some things and do things. And, and, and uh, this dad doesn't know how to do all that stuff, so I've got to farm that out. <laughs> but I want them to, to be taught, you know, to learn from others. I, I saw it as I traveled this summer and and thinking about teach them. That's our theme. Teach them. Teach them. I saw it this summer as I watched a, a mom that just took time at a, in an airport. This may seem real simple, but maybe an eight-year-old daughter that was standing there and looking at all those flights that are departing. And the mom is pointing to what their flight was and helping her to see where the gate is. And some of those things. Hey, listen, the next generation is not going to know how to make connections and where to go if they don't have somebody to teach them. We were privileged this year as our 25th anniversary to, to go and, and to see Pearl Harbor and, and to see the memorial there. And, and uh, that was so moving. But I tell you what also was moving as we went to the hangar where, where you can still see some of the, the bullet holes that came in. And, but I saw an older veteran, a Filipino man, and, and then a young Hispanic young man, maybe about uh, 11 years old, that had, had studied Pearl Harbor and what happened there. But, but the older man was teaching the younger man. He was pointing at a map. He was teaching him. He was basically saying, this is what happened here. So significant. Teaching them, helping them to have a context. 
Because if you don't teach them, then that history and that culture and those values are potentially lost. We went to the Polynesian Cultural Center and, and uh, there were five different islanders that were uh, trying to teach their parts of their culture. It's really fascinating, <laughs> the Fijian culture and, and, um, and the other cultures that were, that were represented there, the Samoan uh, culture. And, and it was just fascinating, but, but they were trying to pass it on to the next generation. And I, and I watched as this lady uh, was there at one of these sites and she was trying to teach a little bit about the Hawaiian language that is predominantly vowels. You ever notice that? They have a very limited number of consonants, you know, that are in their language. And, and so she's, uh, she's got, you know, the, the green. Uh, it may not have been green. I, I can't remember exactly. But I'm thinking about like a chalkboard. And she's got the pointer. And she pointed to a word that I learned in the second grade. Huma huma nuka nuka apu ah Man, I was excited to see that word up there. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck in my brain. <laughs> but that's the Hawaiian fish and she was pointing to that. But what she was doing, she was trying to, some of you want me to try to say that again. I don't know if I can, so I'm moving on. But um, she was pointing to that to try to teach this, this is our Hawaiian culture. This is what's going on. This is, this is who we are. This is where we came from. She was teaching them. And thus our theme this year is simply that, teach them. Teach them. Teach them. Jesus said that to the church. He didn't say that just to the church leaders. He said it to his church, teach them. Teach them. Uh, young people, I'm just looking at you right now. You've got an opportunity to teach them. Teach who? Well, teach, teach each other. You say, I don't know how that's going to go. I don't either. But <laughs> there, there are people that you can impact. I hope I don't embarrass you, Trevor. But Trevor said this morning, one of the kids on the bus, like leaped across the seat and flashed onto his head. <laughs> like a spider monkey. Hanging on. Man, that's awesome. What a great opportunity to teach kids, impact them, teach them. So, Brother Phil, I don't know what you can tell from where you are, but it's like a chalkboard background. Can you see that? And, and so it's, it's not just the subject matter, but what Jesus said, he said, go and teach all nations. That's evangelism. Teach all nations, win them to Christ and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then he also said this, teaching them to observe all things. Teach them, teach the people. Teach the ones that get saved. Make, make part of your life mission to, to teach them. It's not just, you know, I mean, there are other verses like in Deuteronomy 6, uh, teach them diligently. And that's talking about the scriptures. But, but here Jesus is saying, teach them. Teach the people. Teach the ones that I save. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded them. Teach them. Pass it on. Because if we don't teach them, There'll be a whole generation lost. Teach them. Uh, adults uh, to here tonight, every, every member, I hope, I hope you're getting this. Are you getting this? You've got an opportunity to teach somebody. You say, me? 
I'm not a teacher. You don't have to have the position. You've got the command. Do you follow that? You've got a commission from the Lord and, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he's telling you in some way, I want you to be involved in seeing somebody saved, see them baptized, and then teach them how to live. Teach them. I, I hope and pray that you go out of here with those two words just kind of echoing in your heart and mind. Teach them. Teach them. Teach them that, that we've got to teach them. We've got this great opportunity. I want to give you a few thoughts here tonight and then a little bit of application um, and, and some verses. If you want to jot these down, then we'll take a whole year next year to kind of flesh them out. But I think this will be a help to you. Key, th key thoughts here on this. The leaders we appoint determine the future. Exodus 18, 20 and 21. God told Moses, thou shalt teach them ordinances. I, you know, by the way, before I get into all this, I was amazed at how many verses in the Bible that emphasize teaching. Teaching. Teach, thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of them, all, out of all the people, able men such as, here, here's, here it is, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. So there's such an important thought about who the leaders are gonna be. The teachers are going to be leaders. The leaders we appoint determine the future. Number two, since more is caught than is taught, be careful about your example. Everybody hear that? More is caught than is taught, so be careful about your example. Deuteronomy four and verse number nine says this, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life, but teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. But he says, first of all, take heed to your life. Take heed to your life. Isn't it true, church, that we need to take heed to our lives so that then we can be ready to teach them? Teach them. Number three, number three, if we don't teach them, they are in danger and may learn from the wrong sources. If we do not teach them, they are in danger and may learn from the wrong sources. Deuteronomy 20, 17 and 18. He talks about the people of the land and he says that, and he's talking about getting victory over them, that they teach you not to do after their abominations. So if we don't, if we don't teach them, if we don't teach them, they're in danger and they'll learn from other sources. I was meditating on this at Lake Thunderbird and, and hiking a little bit. And I, and I heard this sound and most in, most in the auditorium, maybe most are going to know this. <laughs> I just got the men fired up right there. It's a deer blowing at you. And I, I couldn't see her. I didn't know or him. I didn't know where, where it was. But, but I just stood still and um, I heard it a couple times, but then I, I watched this little fawn still in spots come nearly within five yards of me. Well, that, that little fawn was in danger. Mom, mom the doe later on, they, they just kind of followed me along. But anyways, but that mom blew, she's given a warning. 
That means, hey, there's some danger right here. Uh, we need to get out of here. Mom, mom was gone, but the, but the little one didn't take heed to it. Hey, listen, if you're privileged enough to have somebody in your life that's, you better take heed. You better take heed. And, and parents, all of us, and, and all of us that care about people, you care about your fellow brothers and sisters along the way every now and then we need to give a good, clear, Okay, it'd be kind of weird if you went around doing that, but I'm just simply saying, <laughs> hey, you better take heed. You're getting too close to the edge here. There's somebody dangerous in your life right here. Huh? Teach them. Teach them. Number four. Is that where we are? Number four. If we don't teach them or if they won't learn or if you won't learn, we'll personalize it. If we don't teach them or if they don't learn, they'll learn the hard way. Jesus said, teach them how to live. Teach them. If we don't teach them or if they won't learn or if you won't learn, you'll learn the hard way. I'll give you two verses on that. Isaiah 28. God, God uh, through the prophet Isaiah, he's warning the people and I'll tell you why. Here, here was their attitude. Their, their attitude was this. Line upon line Precept upon precept. You, you, know, you know what that is? That's people back then that didn't like teaching and preaching. Huh? Because they're saying, come on forevermore. And God says, okay. Now I'm paraphrasing right here. If you won't learn line upon line and precept upon precept, truth upon truth, then you'll learn from a different language. And he says, you're going to learn from the Babylonians. You get it? You know why we need to be under the influence of the word week by week? It's because we need line upon line and precept upon precept and here a little and there a little so that it builds a strong life. But if you say, oh, good night, line upon line, precept upon precept, you'll learn. But you'll learn out there the hard way. I wonder if there's any adults here tonight that could testify to that. Yeah. That'd be number four. Number, number five would be this, the catalyst to world missions. And in everything that we ever have, I pray God would help us to always have a missions slant to it. In fact, that's really the heart and soul of it. And, and no better passage than Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20. Um, but the catalyst to world missions is the normal preaching and teaching activity of the church. That's how it started. Acts 13, 1. Now there was at the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. People that were investing, teaching them. And out of that, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work we're into, I've called them. And they went everywhere, preaching and teaching the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I've got so many verses here about how Paul, he says, it says that he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Acts 20, 20, I, Paul said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house. And, and then in Colossians, I love what he said in Colossians 1 and verse number 28, whom we preached, preached about Jesus, whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. We cannot assume 
the people that walk through these doors understand the Bible stories or Bible doctrine. Uh, my dear, our dear friend, Brother uh, Ray Bauman went home to be with the Lord this past week. He oversaw the camp ministry up at Treasure Mountain. And uh, I just thought about an illustration there this past week and, and had it in my notes uh, for a good while now. But um, anyways, I was outside the cabin and there was a little boy, a young man, uh, probably about age 10 or 11, maybe. He might have been 12 or 13, somewhere right in there. I guess his youth camp, so it had been 12 and 13. And uh, there was a pond right outside the cabin. And he had a Zebco, you know, push the button. My granddad, I was age five. My granddad worked with me. I, was, I mean, it's, it's clear in my mind. <laughs> my granddad taking me there to his pond and said, okay, now just hold on to that black button. And then when you get right about here, then you let off of it and it'll throw that line out there. Oh, son, that's exciting. Anyways, well, I watched James and he was giving it this. <laughs> had that line out there, you know, about maybe 10 foot, I don't know, eight to 10 foot. I said, James, let, let me show you and showed him how to hold that, that Zebco button and toss it out there. Man, by the end of the week, he was tossing it. You know, he was getting in there, some play, bringing in trout. He just needed somebody to teach him. There's some folks that don't know where the book of job is. Job. <laughs> I don't know. I never forget being at Sagmont Youth Camp and, and um, South Campbell Avenue was there and some other churches. We were all together playing some softball. And I watched a senior in high school come and, and didn't stand at the plate. He stood on the plate. And, you know, I mean, you could tell he wasn't like a real popular kid and didn't do sports and such. Pitching that day was a young man I've known pretty much a long part of his life. Very athletic, very ha handsome, girls would say. I don't say, they would say. <laughs> Clearly. But he'd been pitching. So anyways, this kid was standing on the plate and I watched this young man. He said, no, hey, wait a minute. I mean, everybody's watching. It's like a big game. Everybody's watching. Here's what he did. He walked up to him. He said, hey, just, just stand here. Hold the bat like that. I'm just going to throw it right in. I mean, he took a little bit of time and worked with him. And man, he, he got in there and, and uh, Adam pitched the ball and it came in there and it dropped in. And man, he, he hit it and a grounder went out and man, he made it to first base and the crowd went wild. You would have thought he hit the game winning run. But you know what he needed? He needed somebody to teach him. Teach him. Teach him. So some application right here. There's a lot more in my notes, but I think that you're getting it. Some application. The biggest thing actually that I want you to, to think about tonight is that this is directly to you as a member of Southwest Baptist Church. So in your mind, if you can work on this right now, don't sidestep this. Say, this is for somebody else. No, this is for you. Because Jesus said it to you. That makes it to you. Teach them. But I don't feel qualified. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. The first place to start discipleship, though, is in the home, isn't it? In the home. Teaching our kids. 
We've got some plans. I'm not going to go into all the details of it. Uh, the church staff's been working at it. I'm excited about a lot of the ideas that are coming up. I'm going to share just a few of them with you, just kind of give you a taste on it. But I, I'll tell you this. Um, in moving ahead, even after we are debt free, we've got to stay focused on the main thing. Preaching the word of God, teaching the word of God, winning souls. And may, may that be our central focus still. Preaching, teaching the word. In some of the adult ministries, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Um, we've been praying about this for a good while, but even in our deaf ministry that has been growing and been faithful, uh, they're going to begin their own services on Sunday mornings. January the 21st, Brother Scott Crabtree is going to be our guest preacher. He's going to pre teach Sunday school, preach to them in that inaugural service. And, uh, and then he'll preach for all of us on Sunday night. And I think it's going to be a great day. So we're real excited. I appreciate uh, just the work and the groundwork that's been laid already with that. And, and uh, just praying about that. Would you join me praying with it? Discipleship. I think there's a lot more that as, as a church that we can do in the realm of discipling helping, teaching them. So we're going to give attention to that. I've already mentioned updating some of the Sunday school areas, the youth ministries, uh, uh, Seth and I talking about it and mentioned even at our staff retreat. Um, even the need and opportunity, I think, to get some of the older adults connected to the younger, uh, young people. Yeah. Some Sunday nights, coming up there and, and doing a little bit of work. I, I'm just excited about that. I'm not going to go into all the details of it, but excited about that. Children's ministries. In fact, a big part of our staff retreat, we did a children and youth ministries 101. And um, I'm thankful for Brother Carl coming in and Brother Caleb coming in. And, and that's a big deal. Brother, Brother Ted's already got the uh, VBS theme. It's a cowboy theme. And I'm excited about that. We're going to have a good time with that. And and uh, he, had, he had that done before he ever knew what the theme was. So whatever it was going to be, it's going to have to fit. So anyways, but it's, it's awesome. I, I'm excited about how it actually going to work together. But um, evaluating child safety. Uh, that's one thing that we're looking into right now, what, where cameras are needed and making sure that just, just that kids are safe, the check-in procedures and all that. Man, you know, you want, you want kids when they're here to be completely in good care. It's very important. We're looking into that. Some security measures, just looking at it with fresh eyes. And, and so I'm excited about that part of it. Some of the evidence that I knew that our theme was to be teach them um, came. Brother Billy Ingram gave me a couple books that I'm, I'm working on one of them right now. <clears throat> it's a man named Bob Bill that, that, um, that uh, wrote a book called Fourth Grade. It's got a subtitle. It kind of drew me in. <laughs> Fourth grade, here's the subtitle. Age nine. It's got a sub-subtitle. Life's turning point. Age nine. Well, it kind of connected with me. Because I've always heard Brother McCracken. Have you ever had, have you ever had him... Uh, tell you or say, have you ever been around a nine-year-old boy? There's nothing in the world like a nine-year, how many, where's the nine-year-olds at? Oh yeah, we can understand now why what's going on is going on. 
Nine-year-old boys, nothing like them in the world. Same thing for girls too, though. Nine-year-olds. Here's, here's how this came about, okay? And I, I don't want to take too much time here on this, but I, I want you to think about it with me because I'm going to mention something we're doing in the gym. Bob Bill said that as he interviewed these executives, he deals, you know, with Fortune 500 people. He'd say, tell me, tell me uh, one of the most life-shaping experiences that you've had. He said, 80% of the time, the person would look up, you know, at the lights and then they'd say, it must have been in the fourth grade when I... I must have been about nine years old when, okay, here's, and, and then, and then let, me, let me give you a little bit more background because it's very interesting. He says, the premise is this, that we form our adult comfort zones at age nine. Because at age nine, you have like an adult brain because you can concentrate. Third graders can't. Sorry, third graders. Well, don't feel bad because co some college students can't either. So, <laughs> anyways. But at age nine and in the fourth grade, you've got like an adult, adult mind, but you still have a child's heart. And so you're teachable and you're open. And what people, t listen to this, this is powerful. What people tell you in the ninth, when you're nine years old and in the fourth grade, you believe. And when an adult tells you, hey, you're doing a great job, man, keep it up. You're, you're doing very well. Then, then that encourages you. But when, it, when an adult says to you, you know, you'll probably end up in jail just like your daddy. They remember that. And so anyways, there's much more to that than what I'm necessarily going into right now. But I, I can really see a lot to that. So what, what we're doing, even as our uh, children's ministries are growing again, and in terms of the bus ministries taking back off after COVID and such, uh, we, I think we had what, Brother Carl, 380 today? 380 on the buses. Man, that's tremendous. So that means a lot more kids out there in the gym. But at fourth grade, it is so pivotal. What we're actually intending to do is to do a little bit of renovation up on the, in the balcony area of the gym and have a fifth grade department that Brother Caleb Ball is going to preach to. And then have third and fourth grade with Brother Carl Wiltsey. And that way we can just really zero in on that fourth grader right there. If it is strategic, and I, I'm not making a huge case about it tonight, but I can see the wisdom in it. If that's a very pivotal age, then we want to make sure we have the minimal amount of distractions going on so that we can really reach that heart fourth grade. You think about it and probably you're going to think about, you're going to think about it tonight and you'll remember your teacher. You'll remember where you were. You remember what's going on and some important things that happen in the fourth grade. Okay, we'll move on. Music ministry. I'm not going to steal all Brother Aaron's thunder, but we're going to do some hymn appreciation and stories, some explanation of terms. You know, have you ever been reading in your songbook in your hymnal and think, What's that word? Bark? What is that? Or some other term that's in there, right? Well, just some explanation as to some of that. But then also this, some special training times in song leading, playing for congregationals, things of that nature. I'm not conducting that. Others will. <laughs> Teach them. Teach them. Some men ministry things. The men and boys camp out. Ladies ministries. Teachers of good things, that type of stuff. Just some continuation. The ladies do a great job on that. Missions, focusing on some missionaries that have some Bible colleges and where we can help them teach them. All that to basically say this. 
God wants us to teach them because he's in the process of teaching us. And we get to pass it on. Every discovery center I've been to um, that I can remember, whether it's a museum or whatever it is, um, the ICR down in uh, Texas, the um, Institute of Creation Research. I just went to one, Mount St. Helens Creation Center uh, near uh, Centralia, Washington. You walk through there, but they always empty out into a bookstore. Because what you've been exposed to, if it's taught you well, creates in you a desire to learn more. And I pray that that would be what happens as people come to church and they're in Sunday school or they're one-on-one with you or they're in a preaching session. They, they have the heart. Mm, I want to learn more about that. They will, if we will, teach them. That's our theme. Teach them. Let's stand together here tonight. Father, thank you for giving us this commission. What an exciting effort it is to try to teach, whether it's the next generation or another adult, a new believer, so many other avenues, Lord, that we should all be teachable. And I just pray that you'd use this theme, as you have others, to help us, Lord, in emphasizing, especially being the Great Commission. Lord, would you help us? Lord, as I remember now in your word there in Hosea, that your people perish for a lack of knowledge. And that'd be a knowledge of you and a knowledge of your ways. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to address that and have a heart for people to help teach them your way of life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.